0: This is episode 37.
1: You're listening to the All Hazards Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to give you exclusive access to emergency managers who've been on the front lines of some of the nation's most difficult challenges. Where we have candid conversations about the challenges facing all emergency managers, no matter how big or small the community. Here's your host, Sean Boyd.
0: We're back in the ring here at the All Hazards Podcast after weeks of responding to October wildfires in Northern California and the December wildfires in Southern California. Hey, great to be back with you. Thanks for hanging with us. We appreciate it. Today our guest is from the Contractor State License Board here in California. With tens of thousands of homes that need rebuilding after both fire sieges, survivors will need reputable, licensed contractors. And contractors, in turn, will be looking for work, and there's plenty of it. Both homeowners and contractors will need reliable information, and the warnings that go along with it. And agencies need info too. We'll have all that and so much more right now. His name is Rick Lopes. He is the Chief of Public Affairs for the Contractor State License Board here in California. Rick, good to have you here, man. Hi, Sean. It's great to be here. Thanks. Thanks. So you came here today because you have uh, some important messages about uh, contracting, being safe with contractors, and uh, and in essence, I would say some important messages for the contractors themselves. Whether or not they're listening, uh, who knows, but... This is information that anyone listening can convey. I think what's important here is that we're talking about the wildfires that California just uh, suffered through here in Northern California, especially. Let's start with what the fires did for your awareness and your involvement. Uh, When these fires first broke out a couple months ago, what was the first thing that came to your mind in terms of what you guys needed to do at CSLB? Well, certainly the first
1: thing that came to mind for us is we actually have an office in Santa Rosa. So we do have some employees who live in that area. So, of course, our first thought was, you know, are they okay? Do they have family members? Were they, you know, they able to get out okay? Once we were able to determine everybody was okay and, and we were very lucky that nobody actually lost their house, our, our, our attention immediately turned to planning because we knew that this was going to be a big event. Now, normally when you think about uh, the disaster and the response, you're thinking in, in very short term, what's needed right away, taking care of these people in um, – whether it's providing them shelter, uh, de- dealing with you know the evacuation and taking care of them, our mind immediately goes to the, the long term. As soon as we know that there's houses that have been destroyed, we know that there's going to be a possibility that those houses have to be rebuilt. And that's where we really come into play because the contractors that are licensed are the ones that are going to be doing the building. And we also are very aware that uh, disasters, especially what, what you've seen in, in, in what's happened in Northern California with these wildfires, is disasters bring out the very best in people. You see neighbors helping neighbors, you see friends helping friends, you see complete strangers helping complete strangers. But it unfortunately also brings out the worst in some people. There's, a, there's, a, there's an underbelly of people that see this as an opportunity for them to make some money to take advantage of people and those are, is immediately where our thoughts go to because many times they hide behind the, the idea of, of helping them do the rebuilding or making the repairs or taking care of them, helping them through this tough time when in reality that's the farthest thing from their mind. They want to to get money, they want to get them to sign over their insurance check. They want them to, you know, say, I'll, I'll park a, a trailer here and I'll start working every day. I'll take care of you. I'll, we'll get this thing. We'll get you back into your
0: home. And they start paying the money and nothing happens. And nothing happens. And that's the problem here. I mean, that and maybe the fact that they're not uh, really licensed or trained in the area of. The work that they're trying to perform. Exactly. When, it, when Anybody,
1: even if it's not during a disaster, anybody looking to have work done around their home, they may not realize that there's in many states, especially in California, there are different kinds of requirements as far as licensure and when a contractor needs to have a license. In California, it happens to be any job that's over $500 in labor and materials, they need to have a license. And there's more than 40 different kinds of contractors depending on the kind of work you want done. So it could be a, a confusing world, uh, and a confusing thing to do in the best of circumstances, but then you get thrown into a situation where you have to rebuild because you've lost the house, you've lost everything. There's the shock and that comes with that, uh, and then you're still faced with that, and they people unfortunately will prey upon them, so our first thought is, is, to, is to begin educating. And there's a whole different groups of people. And one of the things that we want people to take away from this is, is to think about, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the world of construction, but there's lots of things that we, as the contractors board have done during this and other disasters as far as outreach. And the first big step that we always go to is education, is trying to get the word out for the different audiences. Obviously the, the main audience is for these, the survivors, in this case, the fire survivors, Immediately, as soon as, as the people are – sometimes even before they're led back into their homes and into the areas if their homes have been destroyed is we work in, and start doing education. We've got big signs that we can post throughout the area. They're, they're very similar to you know, any kind of advertising signs you see around. They're high-quality plastic because they have to – we want them to, to last a while. And so, in the fire areas, we've posted hundreds of these signs. I've seen them. And we've got a couple of different signs. And one of them is, is geared towards the homeowner and it says, you know, beware, unlicensed or unscrupulous contractors may try to scam you. We realize at this point that that's just the message. We want people to at least think about that. If somebody approaches them, they, they need to, you know, take a breath and, and think twice about that. The back of the sign, same message in Spanish. Okay, good. The other sign is is targeted towards the unlicensed contractors. I've seen those, too. Because we're trying to educate them that if they get caught in a contractor doing contracting without a license, the penalties are enhanced because it's a declared disaster. So what do you mean of, by enhanced? Yeah, I'll just – normally, and a lot of people don't necessarily realize this, contracting without a license in California is actually a criminal misdemeanor. And so usually it's fines that – you could potentially get jail time. Most people don't, but there is a fine associated with that
0: when we continue kicking that simple misdemeanor up a notch. That then can be charged as a felony and that means prison time. So unlicensed contractors beware. The CSLB, law enforcement and other licensed contractors are on the lookout for you. Also, you might be able to use some of your experience as a veteran and apply it. How you as a veteran may be able to parlay your military skill set to the recovery phase of the October and December wildfires. So now we continue with our conversation with Rick Lopes, Chief of Public Affairs for the Contractors State License Board.
1: If there is a d- declared disaster area or even a state of emergency, as, as happened here, that then can be charged as a felony. Ooh. So, so we're talking about some serious state prison time and a fine of up to $10,000 if you get caught. And that's not actually caught doing work. All you have to be doing is out there trying to get work. So if you're just out there making contact with them, saying you professing that you're a contractor, you can do this work, and,
0: and you get caught, you could pe- potentially face a felony charge. So, so a contractor who's walking around, let's say Coffee Park, mm-hmm. in the area of Santa Rosa that completely burned to the ground, even if they're just out there walking around, and someone discovers a law enforcement official discovers that they are in fact a contractor, even if they're not um, soliciting in someone. Just walking around, that is enough? Well, no, they actually have to physically be doing something.
1: A lot of times they'll have business cards, they'll put that, they'll they'll hand out flyers, they'll try to, you know, anybody they see out there kind of going through the the rubble, they'll meet up with them and and making a pitch, any kind of a pitch and professing that you have the ability to do this work which requires a license if you don't have a license that can be charged as the felony. So very early on as we're getting together with the district attorneys in the local areas, making sure they understand the laws, we work with them anyway. And to see how they feel about that, and and to to a T, they all want to be aggressive. So the first step is educating, and so we want to let these unlicensed contractors know this is the last area you want to get into. So education is is that real key because if you do get caught, then – that you're gonna potentially face a felony and it's gonna you know change your life too and, and there's a lot better places like maybe Nevada or Oregon or Arizona or some other state you might want to go to, but definitely in a disaster area. So the idea is to get the word out. So that's one of the education things. The overall thing is we want to educate. That's one of the big tools we have early on. We'll also, you know, start doing some some media outreach, but other things that that's important is you have to th- kind of think a little bit out of the box and in different ways and try to think, okay, Who are these people going to be touched by as they go through the process? One of those potentially could be local lawmakers. So here in California, we have not only state senators, we have assembly members, and we also have congressional members on the the national front, but they all have local offices and they – Get contacted quite often by the constituents. Those lawmakers are also involved in a lot of the town hall meetings. So we actually do education to the the lawmakers. We make sure they understand what the laws are. We provide them with our outreach materials. We have them so they can make them available at their offices as well. And so they're also driving people to our website. They're also making you know that that information available to them. Other areas that we're reaching out that we've got a lot of success with. We produced a, a about a 25 minute video. So we will usually go to the local cable access companies and we'll say, here's this video and encourage them to play it on a regular basis. So when people are flipping around their TV, they're going to run across this. It's also available on our website. We've had a lot of luck and a lot of success of people being able to to watch that video. Real quick here, what is the website? The website for the Contractor State License Board is www.cslb.ca.gov.
0: Interesting. Okay. So really easy to
1: find. Right. And so another group that we reach out to and have success again, we're trying to get people where, where they live, is the local chambers of commerce, because this really is the, the community really watching out for each other. And so we take these signs that we've talked about that we post, and we've got a, a version that we can encourage them to print out and put them in their store windows. Uh, we, we just want that word to be out there, not only to warn the contractors who are unlicensed to stay out of the area, but also get the people to think about and the fact that people you know could be trying to come in and scam them. So when somebody does approach them, they're at least starting to think about, wait a minute, I need to ask let me see your license. Let me you know, take these steps. Even before we get into everything about what laws are there when they actually are at a legitimate time where they're looking to hire a contractor.
0: Right, right. So uh, education, obviously, like it, you said, huge, absolutely. huge, huge. So uh, these criminal penalties, you were talking about them uh, uh, being uh, suddenly now becoming felonies. Obviously, it's important for local law enforcement to know what they're seeing and to be naturally suspicious about this issue. So probable cause, obviously, uh, they need to know what probable cause is if they see something. Along these lines Right
1: And there's an ongoing education It's just It's not that when there's a disaster That we'd start working with them we, we do this We actually conduct on an average Of one undercover sting Somewhere in the state every week So we're working with The local police Sheriffs District attorneys To educate them And to work with them About going after Unlicensed contractors But absolutely And a lot of Law enforcement people Don't realize it's It's very simple One of the, the things is If you ever see a, a contractor Working in your area They've got the little Display on the side of their truck With their name And their phone number By law they're required To have their contractor's License number in yes. that. So, if the officer sees this and knows to look and
0: doesn't see a license number on there that's or something doesn't license, he's got probable cause. Ah, good, good. I, you know, from the, I mean, I had been started working with you, gosh, I think it was since 2007. Uh, and that's one of the first things I learned is that regardless of uh what kind of a contractor they are, if they've got signage, if they have a truck, anything that has their name on it, it's got to have their license number on it. And I see it a lot. I, in fact, today on the way in, I saw, it. I'm not going to tell you the name of the company, not not here, I might <laughs> tell you afterward, but uh, it was a plumbing company. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for the license number and it wasn't anywhere on there. And I'm thinking, ah, Rick needs to know about this. Yeah, it may very well be the case that they they've forgotten about it.
1: They didn't realize that law's in place, even though they, they know. If they take their, their contractor's license test, they should know. Absolutely. And, but but <laughs> thinking about it, you know, maybe they just got a sign company that did it. They didn't think about it. It just got overlooked. If we come across that, we'll contact them, make sure they've got a legitimate license. It's in good standing. There's no problems. We'll, we'll give them a little courtesy heads up. You really need to get this taken care yeah. of drop something in their file. If we come across it again, then we'll take the next step. More, more so, importantly, it's probable cause. It's probable cause. So if, so if some kind of officer does see something like
0: that, they, they do have probable cause even to conceivably to pull them over if they need to. So what about resources then for some of these survivors and, you know, for anybody who may be helping these survivors, um, who are you working with as a CSLB uh, to make sure that these survivors are knowledgeable, educated, and are getting the help they need?
1: Yeah, well, one of the other key things that's that's really been successful for us is is you know no one agency can do it themselves. So we really spend a lot of time educating other agencies that we work with, whether it be the, the law enforcement, the DAs that I talked about, but also other state agencies. In the in the days and weeks after disaster, we work extremely closely with the Department of Insurance. We've got very similar kinds of, of outreach and messages. They're concerned about socially public adjusters right after disaster so their message is is seven days after a homeowner is allowed back into their property they cannot be approached by public adjusters these are people they're saying you know come hire me i'll negotiate on your behalf with the insurance company that kind of goes hand in hand since it's very much in in line with getting money to rebuild so we work very closely with your partners. so i would, you know, would encourage anybody listening if you work in this world is look for the you know partners and, and work together so we've got situations strictly on a media side if the Department of Insurance has an interview with somebody or they're making a presentation, they always mention something about contractors. As I just did, I just put the plug in for their message when we do interviews because no one agency can be everywhere and we uh, anything you can do to kind of capitalize and build upon those relationships. So we work closely with the Department of Insurance, the Employment Development Department, which is thinking, wow. But Mm. but the fact is, is these people who are unlicensed, they operate in what's called the underground economy. Not Not having a license is in some ways the smallest of the violations they have. They're paying their employees in cash under the table, so there's no payroll taxes that are being paid. They don't cover them with workers' comp insurance. So if somebody gets hurt while they're on your property, they could come after you as the homeowner to pay their medical bills. So And so they're doing all these things to actually undercut the legitimate contractors, and it really doesn't make it a level playing field for them. So we, we work with them on a regular basis, but when this disaster happens, we really team up. And where it's extremely important is, is we go out and we do sweep operations. We actually send folks out into the field looking for unlicensed contractors who are out there you know, soliciting bids. And if we come across any contractor, we'll check the license, make sure they've got insurance if they have workers. If we come across the legitimate licensed contractors, we say, hey, can you guys help us be our eyes and ears out here? We'll give them our business card. You guys know when you see what's going on. If you see anything, here's what to look for. And that helps them. If you see anything, give us a call and we'll come out and check it out. Absolutely, they appreciate the fact that they're not out there on their own. So, right. so you wanna take advantage of any kind of partnerships that you can.
0: right now that a lot of the debris removal is wrapping up, so much of it has been cleared. Uh, how will the CSL be? Be involved going into the future here.
1: Well, we're already involved with the joint state and federal housing task force. So we've got you know, meetings multiple times every week where we're meeting with the different um, state and federal agencies. Every FEMA, HUD, uh, the local state and community agencies are also involved. The um, OES, the Office of Emergency Services, here is is integral in in. in Having this task force work, but we are already talking about that. What we've already done is we've we're identifying one of our big concerns as we get into the rebuilding area, and actually even through the debris clearing. Actually, I'll start there. Is here in California into these disaster areas, the fire survivors have been encouraged to take advantage of the state and federal program that's been set up to clear out the debris. Uh, and and that's, that's what everybody is encouraging the homeowners to do for a number of reasons. But there have been a, a few hundred, I think a little over 300 folks have in the different fire areas have, have opted out of that option and said they're going to do it themselves. They're going to absorb the cost. So where the con- contractor's board is concerned is does there need to be a licensed contractor who's doing this debris removal? As I mentioned earlier, there's more than 40 different classifications. One of them is demolition and debris removal, and so we're concerned because there's not that many companies in the state, let alone in these fire areas, that have licensed debris removal uh, companies. And so the point is, is so we're trying to looking for the ways to educate these few hundred people of what they need to know. Now, if somebody's just coming in and they're just, you know, with the, the shovels and wheelbarrows, and, and obviously you, you have to have a plan in place with the local county because there's a lot of hazardous materials in here and there's things you have to do. But first of all, we're warning them to be careful of anybody coming and saying, uh, you know, pay me 10 bucks an hour and I'll come in and I'll start cleaning this thing up with a wheelbarrow in my pickup truck. That's the last thing you want to do. So you want to, if they're just doing the debris removal, they don't need to have a license. But if in the process there's still a, a chimney standing, there's still a wall standing, or as what's happening with the state and federal removals, they're removing all of the foundations. If you need to have your foundation removed, that thing needs to be broken up and taken away. They need to be licensed. It's, it's called our C21 thing. Napa County, there's only one licensed C21. In Sonoma County, I believe there's only a couple dozen. It's not a big industry. So there's a concern that if there were going to be too many people trying to get this done, that they're not by, there might not be enough licensed qualified contractors. So that's one of the things that we're dealing with in the short term. As we move to the long term, there's concern that not only you know, is there going to be enough contractors to be able to rebuild these houses, but are they going to be coming in, unlicensed people you know, coming in? I know just in the city of Santa Rosa, they're talking about looking at uh, building 5,100 homes. I mean, that, that's there's, it, that, that's a huge undertaking. And so they're trying to be as creative as possible. And so what we've done is, in part of these housing meetings is we are providing the information. We've broken it down by county, how many general licensed contractors are there, building contractors in each of the counties. And we've got programs in place that we will expedite licenses if the requests come to us from the fire areas. Uh, we've got different programs. If you're a veteran, we've got a program where we will help expedite that license Plus, you might be able to use some of your experience as a veteran and apply it. One of the things we, we didn't mention is the, uh, contractors have to display to us that they've got at least four years of experience at the journeyman level actually doing the kind of work that they're going to be doing. So that's many times is the toughest thing for a contractor to be able to get a contract is to demonstrate that experience. So we'll work with veterans and see if there's things they did while they were in the service that will help apply to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's different things that we're doing to try to speed that up. So that's a concern plus the workforce concern is are there enough you know, train qualified workers to work on these house things. That really isn't under our purview since we just licensed the companies. But certainly we're involved in, in trying to work with the industry to to look at apprenticeship programs and training things, things that can be done. Because that that it's going to be tough when you think about that how many people it actually takes to build thousands of homes in a short amount of time. Going to be amazing, uh, amazing if they can get it done. In a short amount of time. And it's probably something we haven't seen since probably the Loma Prieta earthquake in the Bay Area back in 1989. We had the same kind of of numbers of homes that needed to be rebuilt. Or slightly after that was the Oakland Hills fire in 1991 where we had 3,000 homes that needed to be rebuilt. So did you
0: guys – after that time, did you notice any problems with uh, the work that was being done? Um, Were there complaints that came out of that? So in other words, if – we're looking at the same number of homes here. Can we expect the same kinds of problems?
1: Well, well, fortunately, no. Things have gotten better. And partially it's because of the outreach and so much time that we spend on education early on. That really started happening well before I was at the board, but it was really after the Northridge earthquake in 1994. There was okay. just so many widespread, thousands, thousands of homes. They realized because of all the complaints that were coming in after that, that something needed to be done. And so we began very early on starting to do earlier education and trying to prevent there from being the, the problems. So I would think moving forward, we've been very successful in our outreach after any wildfire. I mean, we a lot of our focus is on the North Bay because of the number of homes, right. but there's also been the fires in Nevada County and Yuba County and Butte County. They've had three different ones in Mariposa County. So we're doing the same kind of, of, of outreach in those areas. We fortunately see very few complaints. We think that the outreach has been successful and it's been important to, to them to, to be careful about hiring the right contractor and we get relatively few complaints. So as we move into this rebuilding thing, that's our hope is, is all the work we're doing right now and all the blood, sweat and tears that's happening right now will hopefully pay off. We'll never completely know how many people we've protected but the fact is if our goal is is to get as few complaints as we can. When All Hazards returns, outreach beyond the obvious. So don't feel like you just have to rely on the traditional media. Look for those
0: things that you can do yourself. All you need is a cell phone and a microphone. Whether it's a community hit by wildfires or one that's been devastated by severe weather or man-made catastrophes, new ways of targeted communication pop up all the time. Now it's time for you to connect. Back to Rick Lopes of the CSLB here in California. So if you were going to recap the important things that you wanted people to know, bullet points. Let's recap those real quick. You bet. The important point is is if you are responsible for anything that has to do with the rebuilding,
1: you want to to get out there as quickly as you can and at least plant the seed with the survivors that that there's an issue that they need to be aware of as they – Get to that time. If it happens to be construction, as they're looking towards rebuilding, you want them to pause when they get to that point. Have the materials at hand. If they don't even read them when you give them to them, at least they've got them. They can refer back to them. So you want to need to do that. You want to get out there quickly, and you want to make it a long term effort. You want to reach out to as many different people you can. You want to be out there with your boots on the ground, but you also want to reach out to the, the local businesses, to the communities, to the legislators, to the lawmakers, the building departments, anybody you can think of that might be able to help carry your message to those people you want to be able to reach out to. You want to be able to, to look to your partners, especially when it comes to issues of enforcement. When we're doing our sweeps, we're going out there and trying to, you know, to, to look for the people who conceivably could be taking advantage of people. You want to, to get other partners because that just extends your own ability. Everybody has a limited staff, but when you all come together, you're going to be able to, 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 to reach out into
0: a lot of different areas. What are some of the other resources that the CSLB is using and implementing?
1: You know, now? one of the, one of the new ones that we're really excited about is you know we we always want to look at using the traditional media, you know, radio, TV, newspapers. You know, never never going to get away from that, but it, it, be aware of the new things. And one of the things we're most excited about, we've just reached a partnership, as well as the Office of Emergency Services, has a partnership with uh, a website called Next Door. And they've got established uh, relationships and people in local neighborhoods. And so we now have access to be able to reach out to the, directly to the fire victims in the different areas around Northern California. So I'd encourage you know, folks to look for those unique, different, you know, new tech, high tech ways that you can, can because with technology, you're able to reach directly to these people. So a lot of things that we're going to be doing through Nextdoor, we're going to be planning on doing you know, workshops out in the community. We'll shoot videotape of them. We'll do webcasts because all those things can get saved and archived. So if people can actually make it, They can pull up that video anytime and get that same information. So don't feel like you just have to rely on the traditional media. Look for those things that you can do yourself. All you need is is a cell phone and a microphone Mm -hmm. anymore, and you can put something together, and that thing will live on the internet, and people can look it up, and you can help people long after you think you'd be able to.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, we've started working with Nextdoor as well. We can't wait to see what opportunities that gives us moving into the future. Obviously, the outreach that you folks are doing at the CSLB is important to protecting not only the homeowners, but also the legitimate contractors. Those folks who are doing the work, want to do it the right way, and if they see something going on that isn't quite right, they can let you guys know because they're your additional eyes on the ground.
1: Absolutely. If I can, a, a short story is we, had a, we did one of our sweep operations in Santa Rosa a couple of weeks ago. We were checking licenses. We came across a group of probably about 100 workers who were out doing trees. They were clearing trees out. And we checked with the, the foreman there and asked them about their license. Uh, we are, we're licensed in the state of Florida. Florida. We're not actually licensed here. We have an application in with your board for a license, but... They're doing the work but, before but it's been approved. They're, they're doing the work. And so we ended up giving them an administrative citation for contracting without a license and a, and a nice little fine. But we're not just there to, to penalize them. We also expedited their license... Made sure they they knew the last steps they needed to get through, and within a week they, we got them licensed. So then they're, we didn't want you know we're not going to shoot ourselves in the foot and just because we can they're breaking the law. We worked with them to, to get them licensed as quickly as we could to make sure they they did everything they needed to, and within a, less than a week they were actually you know back out there legitimately working and taking care of the business. And so,
0: legitimately also includes the legal liabilities that go along with that. Absolutely,
1: they've got their insurance in place, they've got their bond in place. So our goal isn't just to you know put people behind bars with their people in jail. We want people, if, if you can get a contractor's license, we, we want you to be part of the team. We want you to get the license and to be a licensed contractor and, and because there's so many protections that are there for the homeowners. So our goal isn't just to go out there and, and, and you know crack knuckles. We want people to, to, to get on board and to get those protections in place so the survivors are, are protected because we want every good contractor out there to do work in this area and to get
0: these people back on their feet. Well, Rick, you're doing good work. Your, your, your team there. Uh, CSLB, this is Rick Lopes, Chief of Public Affairs for the Contractor State License Board. Sean, great to be with you. So whether you're an agency involved in recovery operations or supporting those agencies, or maybe you're a contractor yourself, the CSLB, that is the Contractor State License Board, is there to help you get the rebuilding process on the road with as few bumps along the way as possible. So be sure to go to oesnews.com and check out the notes for this episode we have some what I think are valuable links and information that goes right along with what we talked about today. So that is it for this episode of All Hazards. All of us in the Office of Public Information, that is Kelly Houston, Brad Alexander, Monica Vargas, Brian May, Rob Mayberry, John Laramore, Adria Wells, and John Goodell, we all wish you a very happy holiday season. I'm Sean Boyd. Take care and be safe.
1: You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.